Hello and welcome to the SDC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. So I know you're super organized, Lizzie. So we have just taken questions from the outline that you said to Jace, basically, and then we'll yeah. just fire those at you. But I want to spend most of the episode just talking about the UK anyway. Sure. <laughs> well, basically it goes like this. It's it's dark and grey all the time. Okay. Full stop. <laughs> and how are you feeling about that? <laughs> I um, have created a few new accounts like for the train line and various apps and you always need to think of new passwords, right? And mine have been, if you want to log into any of my stuff, England sucks one because <laughs> um, you need a letter. And that kind of just shows how I felt about England at first. Yeah, I was interesting. like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. I'm warming up to it. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's so many novel things to do here. Like last night I had uh, some wines in a cave bar. So you had to duck down like under the, like through the cave to get to your table. And there's a restaurant or a bar called Bally McBallison. And there's like an adult ball pit and a cocktail bar. Oh, that's sick. And yeah, like, that's just, cool. <laughs> squirrels will like crawl up you and eat the food out of your hands. I saw that video. Like, that just, was mad. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that looked that's really, cool. really cool. So what's yeah. the, what's your three favorite things about the UK so far? <sighs> three favorite things about the UK. One will have to be that I think it's going to make being in a sunny, warm place feel so much better. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. I'm going to appreciate the sun yeah. so much more. The second one is that it's super um, multicultural, which I think mm. is really cool, like heaps of Lebanese food and Turkish food and Indian food. Uh, and third favourite is just like something to do every night of the week. Like yeah. tonight yeah, right. we're going to see a musical. Yeah. Um, Friday oh, cool. night I'm seeing comedy Last night I had wine in a cave. Like there's just yeah. there's just a lot to yeah. do. Yeah. So on the yeah. musical, the, I know that there's a story behind that 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 was not your choice. Your first choice Frozen. was was is the musical concept you or is that Dean's suggestion? Oh, so I don't really like theatre yeah. generally. Yeah. Mm. I think it's all a bit lame. It's not my style. <laughs> but Frozen, I love Frozen. It's probably one okay. of my favourite movies, which is weird because I'm 32 and it's a child's movie. But <laughs> It's just an incredible movie. And the songs, like I'm just, oh, I put them on the New Year's playlist. You know, you just mash up like your favorite 20 songs. Frozen was on there. So look, if I'm going to see a musical, I want it to be Frozen. So I'm pretty pumped yeah. for tonight. So Dean's obviously taken the opportunity to get you to theater and, yeah. via Frozen. Nice. He's done it the right way. Yeah, 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 school. Amy did the same thing to me in New York. We went to School of Rock. And I was like, okay, I will go to every musical from now on. This was awesome. That's how I felt after Book of Mormons. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that's very good. Yeah. Oh, it is like if you're easily offended, you shouldn't see it. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I think is why I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it um, incredible. All right. So we haven't really done an intro. So welcome back to the STC Fit Learning Welcome, Podcast. guys. 
Uh, we have Lizzie Rorder from Flex Success on, all the way from the UK recently, uh, relocated on a roaming trip, living out of a suitcase-ish kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason, obviously, uh, we're chatting is, a, because we like you, but B, because we've got the 1% coach course coming out soon, which we'll be presenting on, talking all things nutrition, coaching, uh, specifically for personal trainers. Like, mm-hmm. I guess it's a bit of a, I don't know if the line's actually gray or it's just been made gray by personal trainers themselves uh, in terms of what you can and can't do and all that kind of stuff. We, we really like the the macro Steve phrase, which seems to be the standard thing at the moment. It's just like throw a couple of macros at people and send them on their way. So we want to, I guess, unpack a little bit deeper as to the ins and outs of nutrition as a personal trainer and how we can play in that space um, and how you guys at Flex go about it. So maybe to start off with, just give us a little bit of insight as to what you guys do, what you deal with, um, and like what flex success is as a business, I suppose. Okay. Well, we're a group of coaches, uh, and we all have our own niche and for the 1% PT, I'm taking, um, gen pop. So general population clients, which I guess would be anyone that's not a competitive athlete. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Yep, um, and that's anyone from, you know, a gym bro who's relatively serious to a stay at home mom who just wants to lose five kilos. So there's a, a broad spectrum there. Mm. Um, and we also coach people that are competitive athletes as well. Uh, we have some short courses and some longer courses and we've been in the game for, I think it's something like seven or eight years now doing online nutrition coaching. Um, my background is in personal training. So I did that for nearly 10 years. Um, and through my time, uh, have been exposed to competitive clients that, you know, another coach deals with and gen pop clients that I deal with, I realized that they're a very different, uh, type of client and they need to be dealt with very differently. Um, and it's really important that, you know, a PT might have very serious goals and thinks that everyone needs to get abs and get on stage, but that's maybe not what their client wants. Uh, and so we, we listen to our clients first, figure out what, what their needs are, do it and needs us. So their goals are do a needs assessment and go from there. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like touching on the, the spectrum of gen pop too, like whether if, if you don't actually compete in something, you're a gen pop, but some, some of them act more like athletes, even sometimes better more so than the athletes themselves. Um, how do you deal with, I guess that, that broad spectrum that, like you guys just niche into one kind of realm and that's what you do. Mm. Uh, so we, how would we go about identifying the client? Like as a gen pop? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few different frameworks that we could use, but I quite like James Hoffman's framework. He uh, categorizes clients into four different categories. So there's the, a weekend warrior, the gym rat, the bro professional and the professional. And depending on, you know, which category our clients fall into, whether they just want to be fit enough to run around after their kids, or they want to do a little fun run on the weekend, or they want to be a professional. They want to look like in tip top shape all the time. Um, or they want to be quite competitive it would depend on, uh, how we would, what methods we would choose, how strict the client needs to be, 
what the boundaries around nutrition and exercise are. And it just gets tighter and tighter the more extreme the goal gets. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, even within Gen Pop, we'd have to figure out like uh, how different does this person's physique from this point need to be? And that would tell us how many changes we need to make. Yeah. Um, you know, and how extreme is that? Is it they want to get to single digit body fat levels or do they just still want to stay within the range of healthy, but just on the leaner side of that? So yeah, we would start by figuring out where they sit in that spectrum. Yeah, cool. And go th- from there. I think we're professionals. Uh, most of the time, we yeah. just made the our neither of our partners like Indian food, and we had obviously being late at night for us. We're like, we'll have dinner. What do you feel like Indian? Yeah, because <laughs> we have the opportunity to eat without them around. So it's like smash that Indian food right before a podcast. Night yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if we do fall asleep halfway through, it's nothing to do with you. It's just the yeah, bolus amount of carbohydrates. Right, it's, yeah, it's the influx of calories. I got the podcast alone. <laughs> um, so coming back to that kind of most personal trainers exist in the space of working with primarily gen pop. Mm-hmm. So what is the scope and role and what roles does a personal trainer play specifically to nutrition for that person? None usually because a personal trainer focuses on exercise. Um, but there's quite a bit of difficulty here because client expectations mm. uh, sometimes are that a personal trainer is also a psychologist and a physiotherapist and a nutritionist and they tend to lean on their personal trainer for everything. Uh, and it's quite important that a personal trainer understands their scope of practice and refers out. Uh, but if the personal trainer also has some nutrition qualifications and also wants to dabble in nutrition coaching as well, um, then they could they could take on that role. But again, it's limited because a nutrition coach isn't a dietitian. They can't yeah. work with disease populations. Um, so, yeah, there, there definitely needs to be um, some understanding of scope of practice to figure out who can we help and who who would be better helped if they're referred to someone else. Yeah, the um the otherwise healthy people thing, I think, is the term, right, with the nutrition scope. Mm. Like yeah. if most of those those certifications, like you can work with an otherwise healthy people. Um mm. yeah. on that and like Yeah, yeah. With with that as well, like do you consider um and it's hard to define like where it becomes, I guess, disordered eating and that becomes a whole other conversation. But mm. someone who does have poor emotional relationships with food, do you would you start to think about like it's maybe not an otherwise healthy person from that side of the, the lens as well? Mm, I know it gets sketchy, one. but yeah, how do you identify that? Yeah. Right. Okay. So part of um, the process of identifying your client is assessing their readiness to diet because we would assume that everybody starts with a personal trainer or a nutrition coach because they want to make change somehow but are they ready to make change to their physical body so during the process of assessing readiness you might identify that this client's about to go away on holidays it's really the best time for them to start dieting Um, or maybe they are binge eating or their nutritional literacy is too low. So they don't know enough yet. So we would work on, I guess, filling those gaps before beginning some sort of weight loss journey. And as far as eating disorders are concerned, there can be some mild ones 
that that may pass with a little bit of education. Mm-hmm. And then there are some ones that are, are chronic and extreme that probably need intervention from um, a food psychologist. And you could work with the food psych, um, you know, in conjunction with and perhaps begin a diet once those issues are resolved. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely worth assessing readiness and when, when anybody begins on any changes, there's definitely some hurdles that we need to identify in the beginning. Like if something was to go wrong, what might that be? And then you can come up with some solutions together. Um, and if the client says, oh, the problems might be that I can always stick to a diet for, I don't know, two days a week, two weeks, and then I end up binging on everything. Mm-hmm. It might not necessarily be the that the client is the problem, but maybe the way they're dieting is the problem as well. So that might be a good indication for you as the coach to go, oh, okay, so they restrict way too much uh, and they are too rigid in the way that they eat. Let's give this person some flexibility. Uh, Let's maybe not reduce the calories so much so that they're absolutely starving and then end up binging. And then they're way more likely to stick to the plan. They don't have those feelings of restriction. They start learning what keeps them full a bit more about moderation. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few different ways that you could look at it. Um, just going back to the scope thing, uh, first, is there like a, a level of education that someone can pass on to somebody else before we start to move outside of that scope or like, cause I just think of like when I first started as a trainer, there were places that I knew had really good information that I could send my clients to, and then we were just like making sure that they like fulfilled habits in terms of like, you know, just daily nutritional needs. It was like, you know, this is really go see these people who are putting out great information. It was precision nutrition. Like that I used to really kind of lean on at the start mm. and, you know, they just had like really good frameworks, really good guidelines. And I was like, this stuff is, you know, uh, effective, easy to follow. And, uh, you know, it's something that I'm not versed in at the moment. So you guys can live within the constraints of this and the information I would like to think was quite good. Cause that's like what they do. Mm. So is there like a, a level of like, can a PT be like a, an, an educator, I will call it not even or like a guide um, in that circumstance, as long as they take them somewhere that is valid. Or would you think that um, if a client comes to a, a, a PT and says like, you know, what do I eat for breakfast kind of thing? Or what do I, how mm. do I, what do I eat to lose weight? that person, that trainer has to sit there and go, well, we need to go and consult somebody to take care of this. Gotcha. Is, uh, are you asking me ethically or legally? Uh, probably both, to be honest, because like, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, I think there's like the real world and then there's, you know, voiding your insurance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than... We're, we're in the in the game of damage mitigation sometimes too, because we know that people are going to dance outside of the scope and we're not telling you guys to, but we know it happens and we know people do it without even from a naive perspective as well. It's like, they literally just don't know where the line lies. And mm. sometimes in that instance, it's like, it's better for that person to kind of know what to do there. Not, not saying like what decisions to make, but like where they could take someone for information and stuff. And then they, mm. there's the compliance issue too. It's just like, if you're going to take this risk, like know that this is black and white, yes or no, right or wrong yeah. kind of thing. Mm. Um, there's absolutely no harm in talking about healthy eating frameworks with clients, uh, encouraging more fruits and vegetables, more moderation, 
um, maybe educating them on energy density of food, um, what foods are like <laughs> the fact that almonds aren't really a good source of protein, the more, you know, a better source of fat, like that sort of thing. I suppose the problem is when PTs are just like giving out macros or giving out yeah. meal plans and being like, that's lazy coaching. That's not really even coaching. That's writing a meal plan or giving out macros um, and blaming the client when, you know, dropping them in the deep end and blaming the client when they sink. I think the problem is when um, a PT is far too prescriptive, um, isn't a guide, but rather a dictator. Like this is what you must eat. Yeah. Mm. Um and, you know, doesn't really offer any educational room for the client's input. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and even though everybody has different goals and different nutrition needs, there's still, we at Flex Success, we call it the foundation diet. There's still a foundation of a diet that mm. everybody would benefit from, like a minimum daily fruit and veg, protein in every main meal. Um, we call them discretionary foods uh, within moderation. Discretionary yeah. foods are just anything that's, high in calories, low in nutrients, chocolate, ice cream, all the good stuff, you know, yep. uh, and teaching people how to behave around those foods in a way that uh, satisfies their their cravings, but doesn't take things overboard. Yep. Does that answer your question? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it does. And mm-hmm. I think like we keep coming back to this needs analysis mm. thing for the client, like the situation where you guys are, you know, building a framework around this person and seeing where they're at at that given time. And so I'm curious if like, that's a process that's evolved over time. Have you adopted the, that from somebody like a framework from somebody else? Like what do you guys look for in terms of, you know, assessing where this person is um, in terms of, you know, their ability to make change, those kind of things and, and, yeah. and their diet and stuff. I suppose the framework initially came from my experience as a personal trainer because yeah. um, every client, that comes in the gym. I'm not like, this is like the program that all my clients do. You figure out like, what does the client want to do? Yeah. What are their injuries? How much time do they have to give? And the same, we, we just carried the same principles across to nutrition coaching. Um, so during a formal consultation, you know, it wouldn't be just like a chat during the warm up. You know, there's like a, a questionnaire uh, where we ask people all the things that we need to know. And go from there and we do active listening um i suppose some of these things because you're asking like where where we learn these things from as well uh from motivational interviewing have you yeah. guys heard of motivational interviewing yeah yeah big fan. Uh, well it, they um advocate for a collaborative relationship between the coach and the client where it's not that the coach is following the client like oh you just tell me what you want to do nor is the coach being a dictator they're more of a guide they're walking alongside the client guiding them but helping them figure out, you know, uh, answering questions and where they're going wrong and, and things like that. Um, so in, in the initial consultation process, that's where we would work out where do you want to be? What do we have to do to get there? Uh, and making sure the client understands the sacrifices along the way, because yeah. if somebody comes to us saying, I want to lose 10 kilos, but they're going to have to pay with their relationship and their sanity and they're going to be hungry the whole time. Mm. That's not okay. We need to abide by the do no harm principle and informed consent um, and, and get clients to their goals in a way that either does no harm or if harm is necessary, they, they understand. Aware of it, yeah. uh, and that also helps with willingness 
because if a client has a goal and they need to do particular things that are uncomfortable, but they're not willing to deal with that uncomfortableness, whenever it approaches, they're just going to not deal with the hunger. They're going to stay out drinking with their friends. So uh, highlighting these things to the client in the beginning, they're like, oh yeah, Liz said at this stage, I might be a little hungry, you know, a diet breaks coming up, whatever. They, they know what to expect and, and they're more likely to deal with it. I hope I haven't talked around your question. There. No, no, it was really good. I think, again, it's probably one of those things you get a little bit more with experience, like that learning to coach, learning to lead, learning to like bring people in collaboratively, like as a a newer PT, like you want to be that person that's just like telling them what to do because you feel that's your way of bringing value to that relationship. It's like, I need to be the person like leading the charge and, you know, obviously essentially like dictating how things work. But when you look at it, you achieve the best results with like a collaborative approach, especially relationship wise, trust, decision-making, you know, um, information. So uh, it's important that I guess for these newer lists, like the newer coaches listening now, it's like, you don't have to assume responsibility for absolutely everything, but you need to make sure that like the decisions that you make, the person that you're guiding with kind of is in on those decisions to a degree, understands like you said, all that information, like, you know, what the ramifications are, those kind of things. And I think that they'll get better results and leave that coach less frustrated at the same time. Yeah. I think well, one of the reasons that's, oh, sorry, cut you off. Um, I, Lizzie touched on like the, the opposite end of that spectrum as well of like, the coach that just lets the client dictate and yeah. we've all had that client that came to him that was like oh my old coach like just didn't give me any boundaries and i didn't get any results sort of thing that like i need you to push me like that kind of person so i th- i think um i actually have a feeling as one of your articles talked about like side effects of of fat loss and side mm-hmm. effects of of the diet whether it's a surplus it's maintenance it's whatever it's like this is what you can expect here's all the good shit but here's all the other side of it as well. Yeah. And then the further you turn that dial, the greater the side effects and then on, mm. on both directions. And I think that sort of conversation is what, like you said, most newer, like novice personal trainers struggle with. Yeah, It's like, oh, I can actually have a conversation with someone and work together on the plan. I don't have to be the one to either tell them or be too scared to tell them. And talk about no it could be exhausting as a personal trainer feeling like you have to have all the answers and often the client knows what's going to work for them i personally uh don't like eating until later in the day um just because i'm not very hungry in the morning and i know i have a finite amount of calories that i can eat in the day before weight gain occurs but someone else might wake up and they're absolutely starving and they're just too busy at night time to eat so if we just that's just a a silly pedestrian uh, example, but if we just ask our clients, what do you think will work for you? Mm. Uh, Actually, the evidence is pretty clear that when people come up with ideas themselves, they're more likely to actually follow through with it. And we know how important compliance is to, you know, actually achieving results. I I guess it's like if you go to a psychologist and they're like, Ben, these are all the ways you're fucked up. These are the things you need to do. Whereas if it came out of you, you're like, I think it would be helpful if... Mm. Uh, you're not going to resist those suggestions as much. You're not going to give counter arguments. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and even, yeah, I have that conversation with my clients every time something changes. Like it yeah. just without, like you said, it's just accrued over time. But I think if you're a new coach, putting conscious effort into making sure you're doing that frequently, it's like, hey, we're, I, I usually just mark like end of a cut review. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like a big review mark. And then it's like, how are you feeling? Do you want to push? If like 
fat loss is stalled. We either need to do this or this. What do you want to do? Like making mm-hmm. those decisions, letting them make those decisions. Cause it's like, there's no point in me being like, all right, we're going to turn the dial up when they're already like yeah, hating life <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> so you don't want to take it away from them if they're in a good zone and time yeah. to, to go really hard. So totally. yeah. sometimes though, there can be a bit of a conflict between what the client needs and what the client wants. Mm. Um, so Definitely, I think coaching is a science and an art. Um, But when you know a client needs to stop eating all their daily calories in chocolate in, you know, one go, (laughs) but they want to do that, uh, it can be tricky. And we need to maybe meet them in the middle and understand that, was it Lyle McDonald that said a shit plan? No, a an optimal plan not followed is a shit plan. Like there's no point giving the client like the best plan if they're just like, that's not what they want. It might be what they need, but it's not what they want. So maybe we can create a plan that gives them, you know, some of the lowest hanging fruits, but still a little more chocolate than what you think is optimal. Yeah. 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 Finding optimal for you or the person is definitely the first place we should look. And that's a moving target as well. Yeah. Because mm. people's circumstances change and you have a conversation with a client, they're like, yep, I'm prepped to do this program and stick to this diet and whatever. And then something happens and it's like you don't have that relationship where you can kind of be open and talk about that stuff. It's like the goalposts have moved and all of a yeah. sudden this plan's terrible. Yeah. In the um, 1% PT program, I'm teaching about being method fluid and mm. it's for this reason. So we know that there's... The, the overarching principle of weight management um, is energy balance, right? We need to control for calories in versus calories out. But there's a few different methods that we can take to do that. Um, there's some that we probably wouldn't recommend, like the carnivore diet or clean eating, something like that, for reasons that I'll also bring up in the program. But there's other methods that might work as well. So if somebody's circumstances change, maybe they were macro tracking before, but maybe the foundation diet is more appropriate now, or we could move to informed eating, or maybe they were dieting and now we need to go on a diet break or weight maintenance phase. Um, so understanding different methods um, and different strategies is super important because if something's optimal for a person now, and then, I don't know, something happens, they get COVID happens and now they're home all the time in front of their kitchen and they're finding it really hard to be active and resist food continuing to fail in a calorie deficit might not do good things for their confidence um, yeah. moving forward, yeah. which affects their behaviors. Yeah. Coaching is all about wins. Like no matter what you're coaching in, like you want that client feeling victorious mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Like it's, it's definitely good to, for, I guess for resilience and stuff to, you know, sometimes experience things that aren't going too well, but it's like when that happens, like we want to unpack, you know, how can we, get over overcome this obstacle not be in a situation where we're setting that person up for failure going well just hit your macros next week yeah. and it's like well if they didn't hit them this week and they didn't hit them last week it's like you yeah how many times can that client just take that out yeah. like yeah. you know and before they sit there and go oh, i can just do this on my own like yeah and then they and you know what out. if you're the type of coach that's like always giving answers and like being the dictator do this do that when a client has problems they're again going to lean on you for the solution yeah. but if we have this collaborative relationship the client learns that they have the answers they can solve problems themselves and you know like for a gym membership uh, the best life cycle for a client is infinite like i want you to join and stay a member for the rest of your life but uh, as a nutrition coach at least at, at flex success 
if we have a client that stays with us forever, that's a failure for us because we want to get a client to their goal, teach them how to keep it and then say goodbye. Mm, You know, they might check back every now and again for a consultation and ask some questions or whatever, but we don't want them uh, being dependent on us. We want to create independence. Mm. And so, yeah, if a client, they're not hitting their macros this week and next week and continuous problems, that's the, they're the sort of, things that clients should be able to resolve themselves. Like, Hey Liz, what do you think about, uh, moving to this other method? Or what do you think about starting a weight loss phase again in four weeks when my routine's back or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, like for, for trainers out there listening to that, like, Oh, I don't want to turn my clients over all the time. Um, I know something that we've experienced is the more empowered our clients are, the longer they want to stay. As well, like uh, I know you guys are sort of like free into the world, but I, I it's interesting from a nutrition standpoint too how much that becomes so easy with clients over the long term mm-hmm. once they have learnt to make their own decisions and you're able to just ask them questions and stuff like that as the as the coach, it's really really easy to manage, and you're just playing with like moving goals, changing training that kind of stuff based on what's going on with their life. But they've really got it unlocked themselves. And when they have that level of empowerment, they they tend to be the ones that stay forever in terms mm. of clients. And they rave about you mm. and refer mm. their friends. Yeah. There's so many people in the world. We don't need to cling to the same clients forever. Yeah, and do a good job. Like doing yeah. a good job makes them stay. Like yeah. you shouldn't try and be create that like dependency like on your clients so that yeah. they... Mm they stay it's like you do a really good job at what you're supposed to do and they stay and yeah. they, like you said tell you tell everybody about you yeah. it's like the pt that doesn't want to give programs to their clients because if they've got a program they'll know what to do by themselves yeah it's like no, no if they've got a program they'll get a result and they get the goals stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there's so much to learn though even if someone doesn't that's like me saying oh i can't give my clients nutrition plans because then they'll know what to do yeah like, they've got they've <laughs> no, got the 19 foods to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to eat more any more than the nineteen foods yeah. on this piece of paper. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liz, obviously, we got you. You're a part of this course because we think you're the. You guys are the best at what you do. Like everything okay. you guys have done from the first time we've met, we're like, this is the standard in terms of where you guys, um, you know, w- with what you guys deliver in terms of nutrition and coaching. And when we looked at the students that are coming through this course, it's like you know the problems that they have, like you guys solve them. You know, it's they they're one trick ponies they don't know how to coach you know they just prescribe macros and you know like we've said like don't know where the scope lies and don't even probably know what the scope is mm-hmm. and we've talked about a lot of this stuff already but one thing that really kind of screamed out to me in the content when i was looking at it um which is absolutely amazing by the way um mm-hmm. is like why weight management doesn't work it's like just unpack like how you unpack just all of the things of like why it doesn't work which is way more than just like well you just ate more than you was prescribed and you just didn't do you know Mm -hmm. what you were supposed to do it's like there's so much more to it which i think is tremendously valuable for coaches that only have these like just one approaches to everything which is like put it in my fitness pal and like (laughs) do and do it yeah (laughs) well if all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail is that the saying yeah yeah 100 percent yeah So yeah, it is as simple as energy balance, isn't it? Um, But obviously so many people are still overweight. So many people are still trying to get lean. So if it was 
you know, just as easy as being like, oh, mate, have you tried eating less and moving more? <laughs> like, I've solved obesity. <laughs> There's obviously more to it. Um, and a lot of it comes down to people's behaviors and the food environment and the way that they relate to food, which isn't set. It isn't rigid. It, these problems can be solved. We just need to identify the problems first. And from there, we can start working on some solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is there any, uh, thing that you wanted me to elaborate on? Like, no, no, not at all. I think that like, what's important is that when people are starting to conceptualize what this is and what we're trying to deliver Mm. is that we don't just sit there and go like, I, like I got to the point with nutrition stuff where I was just like, all right, so it's, you know, it's a bunch of math and you just need the person to follow the math mm. and it'll they'll eat this many calories and do this much output and that's like, all right, completed it, mate. <laughs> yeah. But when we when you go to put all that math on in the practice and you, you try and apply it practically, it's like, you know, this person has feelings, this person has mm. a job, this person has responsibilities, this person has a history, this person has, you know, uh, special dietary preferences, we'll call them, you know, all mm. that stuff. So then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, hang on a minute. Like all this stuff influences that like energy in energy out yeah. thing. And it's like, then we start to deal with non-compliance. You know, we're starting to yeah. experience non-compliance, but we don't actually know how to deal with it. You know, mm. And often the way that coaches deal with it is to say, you don't want it enough. Like mm. you have weak willpower. Yeah. You have yeah. no self-control. If only you wanted it more. Yeah. And blaming the client and kind of shutting down their confidence, I suppose, only encourages dishonesty. They're like, no, I did follow the plan. I don't, some, something must be wrong with my hormones. Like it, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't facilitate an honest relationship where you can identify the problems. Yeah. We want clients to feel like it's a safe space where they can be like, this is what uh, happened this week. And what I could do better next week is this. And maybe if they don't have ideas of what they could do better, then then we could suggest it for them. And uh, usually a good place to start if non-compliance is chronic and extreme is just setting what we call uh, non-negotiables and daily minimums. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do daily minimums with your clients on non-negotiables? Yeah, we have our non-negotiables that we usually unpack with a client. Yeah. Like before they start with someone or if we do a coaching call, like to review their pro their progress and stuff. We're like, all right, what are the six things that yeah. we need to tick off on even, a weekly basis? Yeah. Even mm-hmm. weekly, it's like what's the what's the one action point? When yeah. and how yep. except like yeah. quantifiable, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like mm. this is I have a client who if she has poor sleep, she doesn't organize her food in the morning before work and she just ends up eating junk food and then feeling crap about it. And so she misses the gym and kind all because she went to bed late. Yeah. All right. So like this one thing, so a non-negotiable for her would be in bed by nine and start your wind down routine, you know, turn the lights off, read a book, blah, blah, blah. And then everything falls into place. But for other people, it's like, well, if I'm choosing foods that are too calorie dense, therefore I can only eat small portions. I'm just so hungry and I end up eating like three of those portions. Mm. So a non-negotiable for them would be to have like two fistfuls if we're using precision nutrition's uh, hand guide, two fistfuls of vegetables with each main meal. Mm. And so non-compliance can be um, solved in many different ways depending on what the non-compliance issue is. But I really like non-negotiables that 
because there's quite a few things that we're asking clients to do and it can sometimes be overwhelming. So when we minimize it and just get them to put a spotlight mm-hmm. on the, figuring out what their most important thing is, once that becomes a habit and it's like, well, what's the next thing now? And then what's the next thing? Which I think sometimes can be uh, not as seductive as taking an extreme approach yeah. because simple things sometimes are undervalued. It's like really just vegetables or just getting to bed on time. Like it seems too simple to be effective, but it really is effective. And extreme diets also promise really quick results, which is awesome in the short term, but they have a terror abysmal success rate of weight maintenance. Um, weight regain is very high and people end up usually not gaining the weight back, but gaining the weight back plus some. So helping clients kind of see the importance of making these small changes over time, working on progress, not perfection is really valuable. Yeah. I think if, if you were like, we talk about ethics as a coach, like regardless of like scope, let's remove that at the moment. Mm. You want to make sure that person doesn't, gain the weight back it's no different to oh we're going to get you to this level of strength once yeah like just and then but after that like i don't care if you lose it yeah like it's like you've got to think about well how can i keep this person in the gym training so they need to move well this plan needs to kind of go in ebbs and flows there needs to be deloads there needs to be you know like strategic planning around programming yeah well that's it and it's like it's the same with people's you know weight loss goals and their nutrition and stuff it's like you can't just get them do these this eight weeks or 12 weeks that you're on contract for and not really care about that person for a moment after that it's mm. like that's where all these approaches happen yeah the market's set up to incentivize um extreme results mm. and coaches kind of dumping clients at the end um, and what i mean by that is this if a co- if you go to a coach's instagram page and you can scroll for years with these really impressive before and afters. A client who isn't really sure what to look for will go, that's the coach for me. I want a transformation like that. Incredible. But they don't know that what the coach did is use extreme methods with the clients to get these extremely impressive results in eight weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it is. And after it was over, the client can't maintain that level of restriction anymore. Uh, so they end up going back to their old behaviors and therefore going back to their old body. Uh, and the client doesn't actually want that. What they want is they want good results and they want to be able to keep it. Mm-hmm. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, like long-term thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's profitable <laughs> to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's like that. It's that initial attraction, that dramatic change from A to B, and it's like that's what's going to get that person to initially like make contact with that coach. Mm. And if that coach is getting contact with the that that kind of before and after, then it's like, oh, cool. So if I keep doing this, yeah, I'm just going to get more and more and more kind of popular doing that. Yeah, I think what's interesting though is like as as that coach you deal with that client all the time you deal with yeah. the client that's like no nah, i want to slash my carbs no nah, i want to do yeah. keto i want to do carnivore i want to and you hear trainers all the time like pulling their hair out putting posts up that are like a little bit having to dig at the clients that they deal with of like oh how stupid is it to say to not eat carbs after six it's like well 
like you're marketing to that person. You're marketing to the person that's like wants that rapid transformation and will drink shakes and will do whatever it takes to do it because they just want that instant gratification outcome. When you start just like consistently showing all of your clients are in good shape, all of them for us like move well and do all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden you start to attract a different type of person. They're like, yeah, I've seen you themselves. training this person for four years. Yeah. And she's looked great the entire time and she gets stronger all the time. And it's like, how do you, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> I want to be part of that because I've done the crash dieting and I'm sick of it. Like yeah. most people have been through that now. And I think if, if from a business standpoint, there's a, there's actually a better way to go about it. Like we use before yeah. and afters really sparingly now. Yeah. And we use our photo shoot kind of continuous progress pictures way more yeah i think it comes down to having the courage to just take that long-term approach and not give that client what they need what they want what yeah, they yeah, want yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. it's like oh, what they need, <laughs> Fuck you need. <laughs> yeah. how dare you want that long-term approach to sustained results <laughs> do as you're told <laughs> but it's like it's like take the courage like i don't know how many times like you know we've we work a lot with females now yeah um and we kind of shifted like we're training all the bros who want to get jacked and then we started training a lot of females and it was like that typical client who just had enough. Mm. And it was like, I've done every crash diet under the planet. And then they're coming to you expecting a secret. And it was like, well, there's no secret. It's just, you've got to be prepared to do this for the long haul. So everything that we do is like, you need to make sure that you can follow this for a prolonged period of time. So it's going to be, you know, not putting your foot down on the pedal. It's going to be nothing extreme. It's going to be understanding why. It's going to be having good days, having bad days, obstacles, overcoming things. You know, it's like this is really all those people that they look at that are like, how do they sustain success for so long? Mm. It's like, there's, it's not a secret. Yeah. It's like the habits that they have. It's the support network that they can lean on. It's the conversations they're able to have with, with good quality people that, you know, enable them to make the best decisions and get these outcomes for a sustained period of time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Two points on that, I suppose would be that if the client comes to you saying, you know, no carbs after six or whatever, sometimes there's things clients want to do that aren't necessarily harmful. So why not? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so long as you express to them, look, that's totally not necessary, but if you want to eat all your carbs before six, like be my guest. Yeah. Yeah. go for it. And then over time, you know, as they build trust in you um, and they start to see success, then maybe you can start to change those things. Yeah. that um, was. But most, sorry. That on. was a question I had is just like, just that's a great example, but just fad diets overall, like yep. we're talking about creating and, and I'll throw this, this in there as well. Like dealing with non-compliance, like my biggest pet peeve is personal trainers that complain about non-compliance on the internet like stop calling your clients out for you being a shit coach like yeah <laughs> that's yeah. that's literally Absolutely. how i interpret it. it's yeah. like for me consistent non-compliance suggests that the method is broken not mm. the client yeah so with that in mind these crash slash fad diets particularly more the fad thing so whether it's carnivore or vegetarian or whatever it is obviously there's other moral sort of aspects in there as well how lenient are you inside that space to be like yep you can do this but here's the trade-offs that kind of stuff is that the discussion you're having mm. 
if somebody is like using the vegetarian example is doing it because they think it's necessary, I would see how much anxiety they have around adjusting it. And if the anxiety is just too high and they're not going to do it, uh, I would just make sure that the lowest hanging fruits are ticked. So they are eating enough protein and we would just, you know, use maybe pea protein powder or more legumes or something like that. Daily calories are controlled for um, and food quality is sufficient. Mm. But And over time, I do find that people's anxieties and extreme views, if you do um, facilitate a close enough relationship with a client, they do start to ease and they do start to let the rope out a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I'm like very lenient on it. So long as some boxes are being ticked, protein calories, uh, you know, they're feeling satiated enough yeah. to not feel really restricted. Things like that. I think the vegetarian vegan one is maybe the hardest to deal with because there is that morality side to it as well that people yeah will, for the environmental animal welfare yeah, yeah that people will present with and the other ones are a little bit easier maybe to deal with like like the no carbs after six or like keto mm. or whatever it's like there's not necessarily maybe it's an identity team thing but it's not a morality because it's yeah. i don't think it's a coach's place to say like hey, you should eat meat going vegetarian yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like going vegetarian stupid blah blah, blah. it's like yeah. hey you, you yeah. have your own views you do your yeah, thing right. uh and like you said working with them to to mitigate any side effects that could be part of that yeah there's plenty of ways to be successful it's not like you have to eat meat you don't have to do anything really just yeah. so long as energy balance protein satiety yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like, it sounds yeah. too simple That's when it's it. said like that, but it's the true. And there's plenty of ways you can achieve that. Yeah. So your unit's going to be like four words then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking it forward to that workshop. <laughs> it's an early knock on my kind of workshop. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny though, like Jace sort of alluded earlier about like our perceptions of nutrition and we used to like get to the podcast where we had to explain like, fundamentals of nutrition this is energy balance this is calories and we were like shoot me in the face this is so boring because <laughs> it's like and I, know. I, and I don't mean that like because it's like nutrition is what you guys do but no we, that is a boring thing to teach yeah, i totally agree yeah so it was like but when we got to like all right let's talk about communication models let's talk about motivational interviewing reach models yeah. setting up check-ins and like questions and all that kind of stuff it's like okay this tying into nutrition is fun yeah Telling you that there's nine calories per gram of fat isn't fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the magic is though. The magic is in communication and figuring out your client and Mm. filling the gaps, which is why for the four weeks that I'm, you know, the the 1% PT gen pop nutrition uh, module is running for, I'm spending some time in week two talking about it, but not a lot. Like these are the basics of nutrition. Carbs, fats, proteins, energy balance, blah, blah, blah. But now let's talk about why people can't actually stick to it and what some solutions might be. Yeah. Yeah. So Which what, is the best um, part of it. What yeah. message would you send to a trainer who, because we did it, we were young and we were like, mm-hmm. let's go find the nutrition secrets. Let's ask Charles and whoever else. Put Susie on oh the put Susie on the cycle diet yeah the cycle calorie diet yeah calorie cycling diet yeah Uh, all of our (laughs) clients just ate like bros it's credit to all our clients like Ben Picoles credit to them because they most of them stuck to it (laughs) (laughs) they got good results but the the people that are pursuing and for it comes from a good place wanting to know more 
And I think mm-hmm. they want to know more of, to be able to help their clients better. Of course. What would you say to them is the value of worrying maybe less about the nuances and more about of like the, the, the science of nutrition, let's say, versus the ability to coach? Mm. Well, I think it doesn't matter what you know unless your clients know that you care. Um, because if, if you wanted, we know energy balance, right? Like they need to eat less, move more, maybe both. Once you know enough about nutrition, figuring out how to help your clients abide by that Mm. is, is what actually is going to get results. Knowing more and more and more about nutrition, but not enough about, um, you know, getting your clients to commit to daily minimums and making them feel heard and helping them come up with solutions that it doesn't matter how much, you know, cause they're not going to stick to it. So I think having sufficient knowledge about the science of nutrition is all we really need. And then the bulk of our focus should be on helping them actually, um, stick with that long-term and maybe helping them adjust their mindset from having an outcome focus. I want to lose 10 kilos. Mm. I want to do this in 10 weeks, one kilo a week to having a focus on the system, the daily habits, Mm. because at flex, we don't consider a successful or failed week by, did you lose weight that week? But did you do the things that you needed to do? So did you get your daily steps in? Yeah. You know, what was your, did you eat, um, by the, the boundaries of your nutrition. What was your sleep like? Did you get your exercise in? And there's a lag time between action and outcome when it comes to weight loss yeah. and strength and everything. Uh, and we can't always expect to, you know, there might be some weeks where we're not as compliant, but we lose more weight for various yeah. reasons. I and mean, like gut volume or, you know, yeah. retaining less fluid, whatever it is. Maybe you did a big poop, something like that. <laughs> Plenty of reasons. Yeah, yeah. process um, over outcome, right? Yeah. I actually had a client yeah. client this week who her check-in was like, oh, I got a little frustrated because I've nailed it the last two, three weeks and like the measurements slash scale haven't really reflected that, blah, blah, blah. But I took a minute and I'm actually just really proud that I've, I've I know I've been nailing it and the results are going to come. And I was like, compared to the conversation we were having four months ago, six months ago, it was like, Oh, like I'm just stressed. Like I've skipped on the scale and nothing happened. Blah blah blah. It's like fuck. Mm. You're you're there now. You know mm. that just like you consistently follow the process. Now we have data. We can change it if it's not working. But it's like you're just you're happy at the end of the week because you were able to execute the plan. Uh, and you were talking about like the W's earlier, like getting the wins on the board. That's huge to yeah. be able to to tick that off at the end of the week. Well, that's probably props to your coaching then, because we can. We can uh, help our clients focus on the right things by us focusing on the right things. So if somebody yeah. does a check-in mm-hmm. and they did everything as they were supposed to, but the scales didn't move, we wouldn't go, oh, this, what a shame that the scales didn't move and you know, make no mention at all to, to their actual behaviours. Even if a client has had not such a great week, but the scale moved a lot. I'm not going to mention the scales. I'm going to be like, oh, well done on these areas where you could have done better here. You know, what do you think you can do better next week to make sure this doesn't happen again? Yeah, um, yeah so our focus <laughs> influences what our clients focus on. So yeah. your client's obviously doing that because you. Yeah, and I think that's that's 100% true. It is, it's just in that communication. And yeah. I, 
I don't know, I'm sure you're the same. A result comes in from a client, it's the same thing. I've actually said to a client one day, like they were super celebratory about like the scale weight. And I was like, look, I don't want to over celebrate it because we've already had the discussion that we're not taught, we're not interested in the scale as an outcome. Mm. Like we're interested mm. in particularly girth measurements, but primarily performance. So it's like, that's great, but let's focus on this stuff, which was also really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that way more than we talk about the scales. I think when people understand all the different factors that influence the scales, they'd feel a bit mad for celebrating such big scale uh, changes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yay, big poop. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yay, I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like that. And it, I think it's a symptom of the entire... We work in a, in a space with coaches who are pursuing growth. They're pursuing getting better. Like They're not going to come to an education platform like us if they're not interested in being better at stuff. And the biggest thing I think that worked for our standout PT program was like being able to talk to people and go, we, we had a, a scorecard that people would fill out and it went across all five of our pillars. One of those was be great. So how good you are technically. Everyone would score 70, 75, 80, 85, 90% in their technical proficiency, how well they rated themselves. And then mindset was usually about 50. And okay. then business model, yeah. service, sales, like five, zero, ten. Wow. And it's like, okay, so you've, I, great. You've gone and spent all this time and invested it in being really good at your job, but you've got no clients to do it with. So that's, yeah. it's not really working. And I think it's the same thing with nutrition. It's like you can go down these rabbit holes of going way deeper than you'd probably ever need to go with a gen pop client in particular and never actually focusing on, can you actually get them to do it? Mm. And, and that was yeah, part well, of the strategies you can use with them to help them. Actually, yeah. 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 We walked out of a, I won't say who it was, walked out of a podcast one day and both of us were like, Whoa, fuck, I want to get on that level. That was crazy. We just learned so much shit. Yeah. And then like got to work on Monday and I, was, I looked at Jason. I was like, can you actually apply anything that that person <laughs> said with your clients? And it was like, nah, I was like, so that was just a waste of an hour. Yeah. Pretty much. Like <laughs> it was cool and we got to go awesome. Yeah. But it was like, can we use any of it? Nah. All right, cool. So it was just hobby fun for us to learn yeah. some cool shit. Yeah. Which is fine. This like is do that. The but... phrase knowledge is power is such bullshit because it doesn't matter what you know, it matters what you do. Yeah. Intentions yeah. don't matter, actions matter. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that everything that I teach is really um, practical and people can apply it with their clients straight away. Yeah. Well, that's uh, another, including just having options. Oh, sorry, Jace. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I was going to say that's another standout. Again, looking at the content was like that ability to apply it. It's like, uh -huh. you know, every single thing that you've gone through, it's like, you can take that work with with one of your clients apply it understand like where you've come from and that person has the ability to implement it mm, i've tried to give lots of like if then but yeah. instructions so yeah. like should we take like a, a fast weight loss approach with someone or should it be slow and steady and it's not that one is better than the other like the foundation diet isn't better than macro tracking it's like if this happens then apply this yeah. you know and then this is when we would you know, change methods or change approaches. This is when we would go on a diet break. Um, and I'm hoping that it's clear enough 
that when a client presents with a problem, it was like, oh yeah, if this, then that. Yeah. So yeah. Tremendous. Yeah, that, that yeah. So we're coming up on the hour. Um, and I, I can see a heading here that's like keys for client success. So mm-hmm. I would like to reframe that as what are, what are the keys to coaching a client to be successful? Like if you had to sum up what a few of them are. Hmm. I would say that we need to understand our role as a coach, um, which as we've spoken about is a guide, but also that's different to being you know, a, a consultant. Or, or a personal trainer, a nutrition coach has, has a different role. Um, understanding your client, what their particular needs and problems are. Helping your client uh, build problem-solving skills. And having a, an open relationship where they feel comfortable sharing their problems with you. Uh, and understanding what the end goal is, I suppose, because I know a lot of, uh, coaches who are always doing cuts with their clients. Like, bro, how is your client not dead yet? If you're being (laughs) successful in all of these cuts, like your client's going to be a skeleton by now. (laughs) So understanding what the end goal is so that you can track your progress along the way, but you also know when you're there and now we can move to a different phase. We can move to a maintenance phase. Um, and not only do you feel successful as the coach, but your client feels successful because they know they've ticked the boxes and now they can focus on other things in their life. They don't have to put so much into continuously dieting. Like go focus on your family, go do that course, go learn the guitar. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, yeah, they're the key things. Understand your role, understand your client's needs, understand what success looks like and change the method when you need to um, and move to maintenance when you've been successful. Yeah. Don't diet your clients forever and ever. Yeah, I was writing our fundamentals of strength unit this afternoon, and it, one of the one section of that is our training paradigm, and it's the training paradigm is that everything starts with the foundation of strength. So it's like mm-hmm. you have to be able to move well and have a base of strength to be able to do any other outcome that you want to do. And realistically, if we're doing all this nutrition stuff, pursuing that baseline ability of strength is probably going to result in body composition and fat loss change anyway so even if that's the primary goal from the client's outcome we're still kind of targeting this baseline strength once we have that we have all these options we can go into physique athletic development um like pursue like higher levels of strength all of these kind of variable things that we could do and i think it's the same thing for nutrition it's like once we've got, we, we have a habit formation phase. Most people come to us typically with the, the goal of losing body fat. But long-term, the goal is to either be stronger or improve their physique. So it's like, okay, let's build the foundation, which is like the habit phase. Most of them we know are going to go into some kind of dieting phase for a period of time. Then that's like the baseline of the paradigm. What do we go towards? Is it maintenance? Like you said, is it performance? Is it? Because like I, I typically, instead of maintenance, it's like, what's the other goal? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do with your training specifically. That's where my lens changes. Like let's talk less about nutrition now and more about like get you going on your maintenance phase. But this is a time now where you're not slightly depleted and you can really push your performance. Mm-hmm. Do you want to push into a surplus to build some muscle? Do you want to do this? Do you want to this? And just re-engage that focus, the angle. Uh, aim at a new goal, which I think is super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. 
for sure. Because the opportunity cost in continuing to diet forever is just way too high. Um, but no, I, on that note, even if somebody does want to, you know, move away from gen pop coaching and into something more specific, the stuff that you'll learn through dealing with gen pop people will still apply because everyone's human. Like it, it, so everybody, regardless of if they are a competitive athlete or not, still has emotions, you know, that they deal with through food, for example. Yeah. Um, or still have Christmas lunches. Like you think professional athletes don't have families for Christmas lunches. Like they, they, we have the same problems. It's just one person needs to be more extreme than the other, but the problems and solutions can still be really similar. Yeah. 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 And I think that the trainers who seek working with athletes specifically experience this unfounded truth that actually not all athletes care about their nutrition or they're willing to put in, like I've got, quote unquote gen pop clients who are more disciplined, more attentive, et cetera, with their nutrition than yeah. our others. Have you got more questions? No, we've unpacked pretty much everything that we needed to discuss about for the module and yeah. you know, a little bit more on top of that. The coaches. Yeah. Can I throw something in there before? Of course, of course you can. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Today we superficially touched on a whole bunch of stuff and I'm hoping that whoever's listening you know, maybe you find it interesting, but maybe you might feel overwhelmed. Like I couldn't possibly learn all of these things. I think that uh, you're not going to go through any program once and be like, yep, I got it all. But I hope that it's easy enough to understand and it's not overwhelming once you actually go through it in the way that I presented it. Um, and of course, people aren't, uh, don't only have access to it once, they can go back yeah, over definitely. it. And it's the type of thing that I want people to revisit. Um, and it's the type of thing where, you know, there's some worksheets to help you, you know, you'll choose a client and be like, who could I use whatever, like a, a rapid, uh, um, a robust response system with, which is, you know, if, if clients, for example, are always turning food, if they're tired, if they're depressed, if they're lonely, a robust response system is helping them deal with various emotions with things other than food, maybe go have a nap, like go get laid, go shopping, like, I don't know, do, do these other things. So yeah, if we've spoken about a lot of things today and you're feeling like, oh, it's just too much, when it's presented in the way that it is, I don't, I don't think it will feel too much. I think it will feel quite palatable. Mm. Um, and if you go through the exercises that I've laid out, actually putting it into practice should feel quite logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you probably do because you, you probably know it better than us. Um, do you know your workshop date? Off the top of no, it? I, <laughs> I think it's second, so it would be like two okay. months after the fourteenth. Yeah, okay. So we've deliberately made sure that Lizzie's early on because I think this is something that's really valuable for those people that have been coming through our standout PT program, and I think it's something that needs to be available in the market really, really soon. Mm. Um, so like, obviously, the content will be there much sooner, but the the workshop itself is is front loaded with with yourself as well on purpose because it's yeah. it's the one of the biggest holes I think coaches need to fill. Um, whether they're, they're qualified or not, they need just to know what the hell's going on and be able to have these better convers conversations mm. um, and hopefully inspire lots of them to go and get a qualification. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, well, that's so the goal, right? It's actually inside their scope. Um, well, decide if they want to do nutrition coaching at all because it's, yeah, a, it's, true. it's not an add-on to PT. It's like a full second role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. Um, so yeah, if you are interested in 
the 1% program, which is obviously part of the overall coaches collective, which is all of our programs put together. Just go to stcfitlearning.com. Um, how do we find yourself, Lizzie? Where do we go for Flex and for you and to find out all those bits of information? Instagram is the best place. So Flex underscore success. And I am FS, which stands for Flex Success, underscore Lizzie with a Y, underscore Rawda, which is my last name spot, R-A-W-D-A-H. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you very yeah, much. Coach Lizzie was taken. So we've gone with FS, Coach Lizzie, <laughs> yeah. with underscores between yeah. them. <laughs> so we, we need to unify ours as well. Yeah. Everyone's got different underscores and some have yes. STC, yeah. some have STC fit. Um, yeah. yeah. We've got to sit there and nut that out one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, Annoyingly, so, I put my Instagram handle on my posts. So I'm hesitant to change my Instagram yeah, handle because then I've, it won't actually yeah, correspond I, to, I oh, that. that's all a bit confusing. Yeah. 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 yeah I've heard um, Jordan talk about that too, the muscle doc. He's like, he hates yeah. that name now. It's like, but I can't change it. <laughs> yeah. He hates yeah. the muscle doc. I, I, yeah. I think I've heard him say that before. He's like, he wish he chose something different, but now it's so popular that he can't. So yeah. 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 He also has a page called the muscle dog and it's an yeah. Instagram page that he started for just like selfies with him and dogs. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. It's, anything with dogs is good. Yeah. yeah. Are you um happy to share publicly where you're off to next? What's, what's on the cards for you? Yeah, guys? totally. So uh, we're in England for four months until Dean finishes his comp. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go to Portugal until September. And then we fly home to Australia for two weddings. And then when we come back to Europe, uh, I have no idea. Just we're we're not sure yet. Maybe Italy, Croatia. The plan is to choose a new country every three to six months uh, and just keep moving. So that'll be really fun. And I don't know where in Portugal, I spent most of Monday night on YouTube looking at different places in Portugal. I'm thinking Lagos. Yeah, yeah. good things. We, we're planning a honeymoon at the moment. And Lagos was definitely on the list. It's been relegated, but it was, it, for us, it was the time zone thing because I'm going to be working. Um, right. Now it's just a little bit too early in the morning <laughs> for me to get up for our call. So yeah, yeah. but it, it looks amazing. Yeah, I uh, didn't really anticipate my mood to be as affected as what it is with the cold, dark England. Um, so Lagos has good weather. Yeah, um, it seems to be consistent. Like it's not foggy or cold, and yeah, early early sunrises and whatnot. That should be really nice. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, how are you finding the adjustment to like? Well, how much stuff do you have? Is it literally like live in a suitcase? One suitcase. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that? So I have brought all these nice boots and like some nice jumpers and tops and jewelry. I haven't really worn any of it. I've just been a massive dag in thermal socks and like two pairs of trackies. So it's been fine because I've worn like 10% of my suitcase, but I think that's because of the weather. I think maybe when it gets warmer, I'll like whip some jewelry out and put a nice top on or whatever. So, so far it's been fine. Um, I have been annoyed at just, wearing one jumper the whole time because it takes up a lot of room in my suitcase. So I couldn't bring multiple big bulky jumpers, yeah. but whatever. First world problems. Um, yeah, it's fine. I am so tempted to buy nice things from the shops, but I know that my suitcase is stuffed to the brim. Mm. And then I'm like, Dean, can you yeah. fit some stuff in your suitcase? <laughs> so I've kind of got, you know, a third of his suitcase and mine. So it, it'll be irresponsible if I shop, but it's tempting. I think my biggest problem would be the the shoes. You'd have to be mm. very selective. Yeah, and like just only having like two pairs of shoes would hurt my feelings. 
it hurts my feelings. <laughs> it really does. It's like once, yeah, once you put a pair of like a pair of Jordans, a pair of Timberlands, obviously your thongs don't take much room. Yeah, it's so. But it's like space. that's half your suitcase gone. Yeah, yeah. And I want a pair of white runners and black runners for the gym because like you've got multiple outfits, right? Of course, of course. And then you want like casual boots if you're doing like big walks, but then you want fancy boots if it's cold, but you're going somewhere nice. Yeah. And I'm not only going to be in cold places. So then I want like, yeah, like sandals and summery boots and like, it's a, yeah, shoes are a huge problem for sure. Yeah. Um, one of my clients, shout out to Angelique. I was, we were talking about this problem that I'm having huge problem, by the way. And <laughs> she, she said that she, when she travels, um, she spreadsheets all of the items that she wants to bring and then makes outfits out of them and only takes the ones that um, they're more versatile. So these shoes can go with at least five outfits, wow. but these shoes only go with two. And so, yeah, I quite like the scientific approach that to figuring out. That is big commitment, <laughs> hey. Yeah, that's insane. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's big commitment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just I don't, the, post, the steps involved in that. It's yeah. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like... It takes the emotion out of it, which yeah. is good. The yeah. older I get, I think the more attached to routine and comfort I have. Like we, yeah. we got really excited because obviously the world's sort of opening up again and we're like, so my fiance works online full time. We're like, Oh, we could just buy a one way ticket for the honeymoon and just like come back when we feel like it. And yeah. he's like, you have, you have a dog though. Well, yeah, that was, that was the first part was when would we be back for Indy? And then Ooh. the second part, Amy was like, you have a cover on our bed. That's, has water go through it to radiate the temperature of the bed so you can set that. Like you have <laughs> an, an adjustable desk, a standing desk and two different yeah. chairs in the study because sometimes I like a stool and sometimes I like a seat. Like, really? Really? You're gonna how long are you gonna go away <laughs> for? <laughs> Your one might take it would be like six weeks. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so yeah, we'll just do a normal honeymoon for like three or four weeks and then come home. There's <laughs> so many creature comforts that I've left behind as well. Right now, um, my laptop is propped up mm. underneath a, a coffee pot yeah. because <laughs> I, I used to have one of those, you know, fancy tilted ones and whatever. It's adjustable. I'm sitting on some shitty plastic chair. My butt is numb. Like I hear you. And this, but I thought, look, I can't choose creature comforts and amazing adventure. Yeah. I'd like, you know, yeah. you got to make a choice, but yeah. I don't blame you for choosing creature comforts. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe time. I'll get over there and I'll be fine, but we're doing, doing two weeks of no work and then working for the second two weeks. So we'll see how I go with that. See what what getting up. What have I got? Four a.m. starts. Oh, I come no. two times a week. I think. Ew. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. We'll see if that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason, you're running today. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's early. Yeah. Um, cause I'm, I'm I'm preparing myself to step up for the month. Look, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll by me being over there, we'll crack it into Europe, and I'll be able to. Pre- present in our Europe class I mean you can present our Australasian yeah, class it sounds yeah I mean <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a plan alright uh, we will let you go Lizzie thanks so thank much you. for coming on uh, and Always obviously being part of the, the course itself we're super excited um, mm. it was a couple of, couple of weeks now yeah, till launch once this comes out it'll be about 10 days-ish so yeah really excited for all of that to come together and have you as a part of it so thank you cool my pleasure